I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, New York City coin, a Robin Hood hack, and Bitcoin and Ethereum all-time highs. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, good morning. Today is Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. Not much to say this morning. Didn't get any emails last night, uh, but I did uh, get a visit from a friend last night. So I want to give a shout out. Thanks for popping by and inviting me out for dinner last night. If the friend is listening, obviously. But not everybody wants me to just give shout outs to friends. They want to hear these crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 1015 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $66,850, up 2% in 24 hours. However, it's down from its all-time high, which was set 11 hours ago at $68,530. It's 1.9% down from its all-time high. Ethereum is $4,782, up a percent in 24 hours. However, it's also down from its all-time high, which was set 8 hours ago at $4,837. It's down 0.7% from its all-time high. Congratulations to both and whoever's hodling. Binance Coin is at $642, down 1.8%. Cardano's up 13.4%. Yowzers at $2.30. And Tether's in the number three spot. Finding off the top 10, we're at Solana, XRP, Polkadot, Dogecoin, and USDC. Total market cap, we're at $2.91 trillion on coin market cap. Just FYI, CoinGecko says we're at $3.04 trillion. A BTC dominance of 43.5% and an F dominance of 19.4%. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. Coin of the Day today is number 844 on CoinMarketCap. It's EOS Force. Ticker EOSC. Price 2.56 cents, up 2.2% in 24 hours. Total market cap is $24.7 million. Fully diluted market cap is $25.9 million. So uh, basically, I would say 95% is in circulation. All-time high for EOS Forest is six months ago at $0.30. Cents. It's down 91% since then, but it's up 2,100% from its all-time low set a year ago. Where can you buy EOS Force? Well, you can buy it on KuCoin, CoinX, and Hotbit. It looks like KuCoin has the most volume uh CoinX, about $83,000 in volume. Doesn't have much volume. It's not that traded, but it is there. And KuCoin, I've never had a problem with KuCoin, so I guess you could probably buy and sell there. So what does EOS Force do? Well, EOS Force, or E-O-S-C, describes itself as a decentralized, high-performance smart contract platform. Based on difference governance concepts, the EOSC community has optimized the election mechanism of the EOSIO and launched the EOSC mainnet. The EOSC network aims to evolve towards its vision of a decentralized, high-performance, smart contract platform. And talk about high-performance and smart, their website doesn't work. 
it comes back with a 504 error. And a 504 error is a gateway timeout error, which means your web server didn't receive any timely response from another server upstream when it attempted to load one of your web pages. To simply put, your web servers aren't communicating with each other fast enough. So um, talk about fast and, and smart and contract and high performance. Just just get your website to work, guys. What's going on? I don't know. Anyway, it, the website doesn't work. If it does work and you're hodling EO, EOS Force, then uh, let me know. But yeah, the website does not work. And if you are a hodler or somebody who's interested or working on the coin and you go to the website and it does work, then you might want to check with CoinMarketCap and make sure that they have the right one. Moving into today's headlines, we got a little bit of Solana news today, starting with Phantom, the popular cryptocurrency wallet and browser extension that allows Solana users to transact with DeFi protocols that operates a lot like MetaMask, says they're going to launch a mobile version of their wallet. So how does this work? Well, it's just like MetaMask. If you are using like Google Chrome, you can download their browser extension, you set up your wallet, um, and then you're able to log into DeFi platforms or NFT platforms, buy, sell, mint uh, NFTs by connecting your wallet to those websites through your browser. Just connect your MetaMask or your Phantom wallet to whatever site it is. Obviously, one's for Ethereum and one's for Solana. And then you can just easily swap or buy or sell or you know authenticate different things using this wallet and the blockchain. Well, currently with Phantom, you have to use your browser, which means you have to use your desktop or your laptop. It means you have to carry your desktop or your laptop wherever you go. Well, using your mobile, obviously. This means now you can mint NFTs and stake tokens on the go, not being tied to your computer, which is very good because Solana in the ecosystem moves very fast, and now you can get it on the go. So you can buy, sell your, your NFTs or your pixelated crypto, whatever the hell, punks or frogs or toads, wherever you are. Continuing with Solana news, Basic Attention Token, or BAC, the cryptocurrency of privacy-centric browser Brave, has shot up around 25% in the last 24 hours. Why? Because it announced that they're going to integrate with Solana. According to the blog post set on Brave's website, the integration will see Solana become the default blockchain for decentralized app support within the browser because of its high speeds and low costs. The CEO and co-founder of Brave said this, With more and more users and creators requiring tools for fast and affordable access to decentralized web, this integration will seamlessly pave the way for the next billion crypto users to harness applications and tokens. Moving into some Robinhood news, which really, really irks me. Robinhood announced on Tuesday that it suffered a data security incident and it saw a hacker make off with millions, they say up to 5 million, of customers' emails and addresses and with some clients, additional personal information as well. The popular stock and crypto buying app described how the hacker tricked one of its customer support employees to giving out information that let criminals make off with a large trove of data. They said this in a release. The unauthorized party socially engineered a customer support employee by phone and obtained access to the certain customer support systems. At this time, we understand that the authorized party obtained a list of email addresses for approximately 5 million people and full names for a different group of approximately 2 million people. So it looks as though they have 5 million people with their email addresses that are now out there so now you can get nice spam and phishing uh, which we're going to go into different types of social hacks and hacks in one second and full names with your emails of two million people 
I really get pissed off when I see these kind of hacks because we keep seeing the same thing. It's companies being irresponsible with your emails, your data, your name, your home address. And look, this just makes you a target. People, bad actors, get these emails. I mean, obviously, they, you can get your emails from all kinds of different things. And But this is a way that they get emails. They know that you're a Robinhood customer. They know that you're in investing. They Then they know your name. They can literally target emails to try to fraud you or scam you out of your money. And let's go into different kinds of hacks right now. Social engineering hacks. This is six types of social engineering hacks. Number one is phishing. So what is phishing? Phishing is a social engineering technique in which an attacker sends fraudulent emails claiming to be from a reputable and trusted source. For example, a social engineer might send an email that appears to be from a customer success manager at your bank. They could claim that they have important information about your account but require you to reply with your full name, birthday, social security number, and your account number and blah, blah, blah to verify your identity. Ultimately, the person is not from the bank and they just stole your data. Spear phishing is another way. This is all under the phishing category, by the way. And spear phishing is, again, a type of targeted email. In a spear phishing attack, the social engineer will have done his research, set their sights on a particular user. And they do this by looking at your social media profiles, using Google to find information about you, and then the attacker can create a compelling targeted email or attack against you. For example, imagine if you post regularly at a gym and you take pictures and selfies and they know that you go to a certain gym. In this case, an attacker could create a spear phishing email that appears to come from your local gym. And obviously, you're going to fall for it because, hey, it's from my gym. <laughs> so that's another way. This is probably what could be used with this Robinhood hack. Why? Because they know that you're on Robinhood. They now know that it's been hacked. They now know that you've been hacked. And they say, hey, you've been hacked. We, here's the information. They'll just go to the link to the real blog. This could be a possible way. And then they're trying to steal your information because they said there's, there's compensation for this hack, which there is actually compensation for hacks like this. I think the average compensation for the Yahoo hack uh, a while ago was around like $368 or something that per person that you can claim for that hack. Anyway, another kind of phishing is called whaling. And this is basically social engineering, but with high value targets like CEOs or CFOs. Basically, it's a big fish. There's spear phishing for little fish like you and me. And then there's whaling for a big fish. Number two, vishing and smishing. <laughs> okay, funny words, funny words. Anyway, while phishing is used to describe fraudulent email practices, similar techniques are practiced by using communication messages such as phone calls and text messages. Vishing, short for voice phishing, occurs when a fraudster attempts to trick a victim into disclosing sensitive information by giving them access to the vi victim's computer over the telephone. One popular scheme involves an attacker calling victims and pretending to be from the IRS. Uh, so you can get like people call you again. This is probably what they're doing with your extend your car warranty calls that happen all the time. I get like 80 a day. It's ridiculous. But vishing can also happen, say, in a bar setting. Say you see an attractive person or they walk up to you in a bar. Like maybe it's not normal that this happens. Maybe it happens to you all the time. It doesn't matter. Somebody comes from somewhere, comes up to you, you know, and they start talking to you. And you guys just start small talk. And small talk is a great way to get information out of you. You know, kind of think, think about like the questions that you have to answer when uh, the bank asks you those three questions. Your first car, your dog's name, the, your first, I don't know, <laughs> like those, those stupid questions that you have to answer. And those are like different ways to authenticate that it's you. But, you know, a quick vision attack by somebody that walks up to you in the bar can do that very easily by small talk. Just be careful with these things.
actually, I didn't really anticipate to read all of these to you on the show, but I, we're going now, and I think that we should both read them over and you know really get these in our head because I'm really sick of people getting hacked for these things, and I hate these people that try attack people and try to you know get their money from them. It just pisses me off so much. And anyway. Number three is pretexting. And pretexting is a type of social engineering technique where the attacker creates a scenario where the victim feels compelled to comply under false pretenses. Typically, the attacker will impersonate someone in a powerful position to persuade the victim to follow their orders. For example, a police officer, a higher up in the company, an auditor, the IRS, an investigator, the police, something like that. So they're uh, somebody in a position of power and then they force you to comply with their orders. Baiting is number four. Baiting puts something enticing or curious in front of the victim to lure them into a social engineering trap. A baiting scheme could offer free music downloads or a gift card in an attempt to trick the user into providing credentials. A social engineer may hand out a free USB drive at a conference. The user may believe that they're just getting a free storage device, which is very, very common because it has a logo on it and they're just like, you know, usually crappy storage devices, but you use them. But the attacker could have loaded it with remote access malware, which infects your computer when it's plugged in, and then boom, you're, you're got. Number five is tailgating and piggybacking. Tailgating is a simplistic social engineering attack used to gain physical access to access an unauthorized location. Tailgating is achieved by closely following an unauthorized user into an area without being noticed by the authorized user. Uh, basically, everything you see in bad movies where they leave the door open and you sneak in. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of obvious. And finally, number six is quid pro quo. And this is a type of solution engineering tactic which the attacker attempts a trade for service or information. A quid pro quo scenario could involve an attacker calling the main lines of companies pretending to be from the IT department and attempting to reach someone who was having a technical issue. Once an attacker finds a user who requires technical assistance, they would say something like, I can fix that for you. I'll just need your login to continue. I mean, it's very easy to do this, but I mean, imagine you have the problem and they say, yeah, we can fix that for you. Uh, just give me your password and your login information. Boom, you're done. You're got. Anyway, those are six types of social engineering attacks just to keep your mind on it so you can practice safe security in your day-to-day -day life. One thing they didn't say here, please never, ever, ever, ever click on attachments or emails that you don't know. If somebody sends you an email from a stupid address or even, even if you think it's from a company that you're usually doing business with, just don't click on the attachments. Don't download things, please. And finally... Miami became the first U.S. city to launch its own city coin. It is called Miami Coin, and they did this back in August. And now, New York will be the next. The cryptocurrency will be called NYC Coin, <laughs> no crap, and users will be able to mine it from Wednesday. City Coins is designed to leverage New York City's energy, creativity, and entrepreneurial zeal for the city's benefit. It will be exciting to see what New York City does with NYC Coin, says City Coins. New York City Coin will be more like a Miami coin. People will support their city by buying or mining the cryptocurrency. Funds will then be diverted to the city's treasury, and then it's up to the local government to see how it's spent, but it will be spent on either social projects, infrastructure, and so on and so forth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.